Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and I'm joined by my producer, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Jeremy. I get to uh, be the first one to say congratulations. This is podcast number 50. Oh, yes, it is. It's been fun. You've been a part of all 50 of them. Yeah, this has been great. I've learned a ton from you. So first of all, thank you. And uh, I know that the audience is going to really, really enjoy these next two podcasts. So why don't you tell them what they're getting? Yeah, so we had a, a individual on a webinar back in May, Marty Schreiber. He's a former governor of Wisconsin, and we did a, a webinar. We're doing an educational series. It was sponsored by a company called Thrivent. Many people, especially in Wisconsin, or people who are connected to our clients might recognize that company Thrivent, uh, but they sponsored an educational series of webinars that we had done, and we just thought Marty gave such a great talk to our, our clients. We wanted to uh, pull that information out and turn it into a podcast just to, to share that that uh, wealth of information with everybody here. Yeah, and I love the fact that you, I mean, this was exclusive for your clients, correct? I mean, and it was it was live, so they could actually interact with mm -hmm. you guys. Exactly, yeah, that was, uh, a lot of people uh, were sending in questions, that's what that's what we're doing here. Uh, step one, uh, first part of the podcast will be the uh, story. Marty's gonna tell a story that's based on his life, but also part of a, a book, My Two Elaines is the name of the book, that he wrote that talks about his his journey with his mm -hmm. wife, Elaine, and she had transitioned over to uh, having an Alzheimer's diagnosis. And that's just an amazing story that he's gonna share with us on this first podcast, in this first episode. And the next podcast, we're gonna be going through the Q&A. He took the time with our clients to uh, listen to and, and hear out some questions and give some of his his advice. So that's our, our goal here is the, the first episode coming up right now is gonna be uh, Marty's story, and then we'll be talking next week about the different questions and, and responses he had for us. All right, I'm ready. So a little bit quick info about Marty is he's a former Wisconsin governor, a business owner, and author of the book, My Two Elaines. I've got the book right here, even with a signed copy. So we'll talk about that uh, later on. And Marty has been a caregiver for his wife, Elaine, for uh, up to 18 years now. Uh, with her Alzheimer's diagnosis. And after Elaine had moved to the memory care units a few years back, he authored that book and has made hundreds of appearances nationwide, all over Wisconsin, 20 states, just helping other caregivers learn, cope, and survive by sharing with others what he wished he had known ahead of time. Uh, there's over 45,000 of these books in circulation. And if you want a copy of that book, please put that in the chat notes as well. We'll make sure to get a copy out of it uh, to you. What's neat too about the book is a place called caring.com ranked it as the best caregiving books for two years in a row. And another place called bookauthority.org named his book, My Two Elaines, one of the best all-timer books of all time. So with that, welcome to uh, my friend. I like to call your friend, Marty. Marty Schreiber will uh, have you take it away from here. Hi, Jeremy. And um Hello to everyone who's joined us. Uh, a great honor, uh, really, for me to be here. This is sort of exciting. 
uh, and for, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, the work that Thrivent does in making sure that uh, everything their nonprofit organization can do to help make the lives of, of people better, uh, that's really exciting for me. But then to also just be able to share with people uh, some of the things that I have learned in uh, the course of being a caregiver over the course of this last 18 years. But before we get too much into that, uh, let me tell you that the Schreiber family goes back a long, long time to Thrivent, even before Thrivent was Thrivent. It goes back to when it was the Ada Association for Lutherans, AAL. And I can remember as a very young boy, maybe eight or nine years old, I can remember my mother working on a card table. Nobody knows what that's anymore. Uh, but she was the home secretary at Zion Lutheran Church, uh, taking care of the membership of uh, Aid Association for Lutherans. So this goes goes back with so many warm, positive memories, uh, not only because of my mom's involvement, the family involvement, but also knowing what Thriven is doing to, to just try to make the lives of people better. And then to you, Jeremy, thank you for what you're doing. Gosh, uh, you know, when I think about uh, all of my experiences with, with, with this situation, with, with my wife, with Alzheimer's, uh, just how important financial planning is, you know, and this may sound like an ad, but it's not. Uh, it's a reinforcement of the fact that we've just got to be aware of the fact that we don't know what the future holds and the best that we can prepare for it, uh, the better off and the more, uh, the, the better quality of life we're going to have. And so COVID is over. Uh, now, uh, I thought it was going to be summer, and now all of a sudden we're here in a major blizzard. Well, not quite, but it's really quite cold. But, you know, I want to uh, visit and, and talk with you about my two Elaines. And uh, um, you should know, and, and Jeremy, this may sound like I'm bragging a little bit, but I want you to know that there have been people who have picked up this book, and they have started to read it, and they couldn't put it down. And... Uh, which is quite a compliment, but well, I'll tell you how that happened. So, see, um, you see how shiny that is, you know? Well, what happened was a year ago, January, it was so cold, but we were short of books. And I said, please to the printer, can you get some uh, more printed for me? Not only did he get that printed, but also ahead of time. And so, but what happened is I showed you how shiny that is, but what happened was, see that lacquer? And that's like a shellac. He didn't let that dry. And because he didn't let that dry it, it became sticky. And so what happened is people picked up the book, they started to read it, and they couldn't put it down because it was. And so, uh, well, and then I'll tell you, this is further uh, serious. And well, just to let you know that sometimes great authors even have problems. But what happened was it was stuck to my hand, people's hand. And when they wanted to go outside, they had to put their book through the arm of the coat, but they couldn't do that because the book would not fit through the arm of the coat. So they had to hold it in front of them and they walked around outside. And then of course, what happened is they got frostbite on their hands. They are claiming I am responsible for 18 cases of frostbite going back to January of 2019. So, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with being involved in giving these talks, someone said, well, how do you get to be a, a, a speaker? How do you get to be a speaker? Well, I'll tell you what, what it is, is that uh, I read a book uh, and it said uh, how I should go about being a speaker and what uh, they recommended, which I did, is you, you put five marbles in your mouth and then you talk and the more fluent you become, you take out a marble. 
And so then the more fluent you take out another marble. And finally, when you have lost all of your marbles, uh, then you're ready to take the speaking trail. So that's the beginning of the talk. But anyway, my two Elaines, the first Elaine was this girl I met, 14 years of age at Lutheran High School, uh, Latin class. And I knew right away that she was the one for me. And uh, well, we dated and we went steady and we got engaged and we got married and uh, four children and 13 grandchildren and now six great grandchildren. My friend, my advisor, my companion, anything that you could ever hope for or ever want in, in, in a person to share your life with. And uh, if I would run for office, she would be the hardest working campaigner. And if I would lose, she would never let me feel defeated. So that's the first Elaine. Well, the second Elaine began to appear some 19 years ago when she would get lost driving to and from places that she had been driving to and from for the last 10 years. The second Elaine began to appear when we would be talking and to friends and she would be telling our friends what happened, but it never happened. Second Elaine began to appear when as a really wonderful cook, oh, she was so great, but when she would mess up recipes so bad, so bad that she would cry. So that's the second Elaine. And so this is now, uh, we are now in our really 18th year since early uh, onset. And uh, what I experienced in that period of time, well, that's why I wrote the book. Uh, I wrote the book because I learned that if there's one thing worse than Alzheimer's, it's ignorance of the disease. And when I say ignorance of the disease, I mean ignorance of the disease by the medical profession. I mean ignorance of the disease by caregivers. Here, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going through some really serious kind of health issues. We're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to figure out what is wrong with, 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 with this person who ordinarily was very, very, very healthy. And so never did the medical profession, and I'm to blame as well, or I, did we step back and say, how come all of a sudden I'm becoming ill? Well, what it was, was a combination of the, the, the depression, the anxiety, the unacknowledged grieving. It was all of those things rolled up because we caregivers know and see our loved one disappear a little bit every day and how very, very difficult that is emotionally. But then what also happens is because we don't understand this disease, we think we feel compelled to do more. We feel compelled to do more because we know maybe we can stop the direction of this disease. Maybe we can help our loved one be a little bit more comfortable. And what happens is no matter how much we, harder we work and no matter how much time we give it more, things still don't get any better. And so I conclude that if Alzheimer's is bad, ignorance of the disease is worse. And what, one of the key points as, as far as understanding the ignorance of the disease, as long as I tried to keep Elaine in my world, as long as I tried to keep her here with me in, 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 in reality, the greater her anxiety the greater her discomfort, the greater my anxiety, the greater my dis discomfort, and the greater my frustration and her frustration. 
once I began to understand that it was necessary for me to join her world, it was necessary for me to join her world so I could have the possibility of leaving go of this person who once was, so I can now embrace this person who now is. And so in the course of this period of time, I really messed up on moments of joy that we could have had. And I'm sort of happy I'm beginning to get a better sense of it because we can now have some of these moments of joy, even though Elaine is in a, a situation of almost, well, her world is very, very small, uh, very, very small. But to give you a sense of, 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 of joining their world, Elaine asked me once, well, she said, how are my parents? Well, I said, Elaine, I said, your parents are both dead. Well, the shock on her face when she realized that maybe she didn't say goodbye, much less attend the funeral. Well, I promised I would never, I promised myself, never will I let her go through that again. And so now when she did ask me, how are my parents? I said, oh, I said, Elaine, your mom uh, is, uh, enjoys uh, her working at church. She's happy. Your dad likes the sports. That's, oh, Elaine said, that makes me so happy. And so another situation, when, when Elaine was first diagnosed, uh, going back to that early onset diagnosis some 18 years ago, the doctor said there are four things that we should be doing, Numenda and Aricep. Well, understand that Numenda and Aricep have proven to maybe delay the symptoms, but to not delay the progress of the disease. But we did that. Then the th second thing was socialization. And then the third thing was a glass of red wine every evening. And the, the fourth thing was walking, which is the best exercise for the brain. Elaine got four weeks ahead with the glass of wine every evening and three weeks behind with the walking, but that's okay. So anyway, I knew according to the doctor's suggestion of these four things that walking was important. So we would go for a walk. And of course, I was wanting to do the best I could to help Elaine on this walk. If we would be walking, she would say, look at the beautiful bird. Or look at the pretty flower. Come on, Elaine, I've got a half an hour to get this walk in. And to think that I could have stood with my wife, Elaine, and the two of us together could have appreciated uh, the, the, the prettiness of a flower or the beauty of a bird. To think that I messed up on those opportunities to share those moments of joy with her all involved why I wrote the book. And it's sort of like, if, if I've gone on a, 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 an arduous kind of, of, of journey, and I know other people are going to be taking the same journey, what I wanted to do in the writing of this book was to say, I know you're headed off in that direction, but before you go, would you please sit and visit with me just for a little bit? And maybe I can tell you or help uh, and help you understand where some of the, the challenges are. So one of the most important things we can do, as I said, if understand that if Alzheimer's is bad, ignorance of the disease is worse. The importance of joining the world of the person who now is. And so a while back, having, having lunch, and, uh, and she uh, looks at me and she's starting to cry. I said, Elaine, why are you you're crying? Well, she looked at me, she, like, she said, well, I'm beginning to love you more than my husband. Well, I didn't ask her what's wrong with your turkey husband, but what that meant to me was that it is not necessary for her to know who I am in order for our hearts to touch. 
And so many times as I visit with people, there's such a pain in understanding that their loved one no longer recognizes them or can say their name. Well, that's part of the disease and to understand it and to know that our loved one will always remember them in their hearts for sure. And so it's early in the morning, 9.30. If anyone wants a glass of wine, no, you can't have a glass of wine at 9.30. In the That's not the answer. Elaine wants a glass of wine at 9.30 in the morning. Well, do you want red wine or white wine? You want it in a taller glass or in a smaller glass? Do you want to drink it with your sisters or do you want to drink it uh, with the neighbors? So maybe through redirection, I don't have to confront the fact that Elaine wants a glass of wine at 9.30 in the morning. But wait, let's assume redirection does not work. The question is, what is wrong with someone? having a glass of wine at 9.30 in the morning if they don't know it's morning, noon, or night anyway. In other words, again, join their world. And once I began to understand that, uh, it made all the difference in the world. Now, understand that 18 years ago, when Elaine was first diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was number six of the top 10 killers and of the top 10 killers, it was the only one that could not be cured, delayed, or prevented. Now, 18 years has gone by, and today is a cool day in May, and Alzheimer's is still one of the top 10 killers, but also still cannot be cured, delayed, or prevented. So within that framework, then, we as caregivers have to understand there is a special need for us to be smarter about what we do. Now, oh, by the way, this is also a side note that there were there was a moment in time when Elaine, when they thought Elaine was getting better. And so Elaine and I were eating in the cafeteria over here at uh, um, Assisted Living Memory Care. And we're, we're sitting there now, sort of picture this. Uh, so I'm sitting with Elaine across from the table and Loan, uh, uh, there, there was a doctor and a nurse that was sitting right at the adjacent table. Well, what happened was Elaine started um, getting on this tangent about how intelligent and how good looking I am. Well, the doctor and the nurse heard that and they looked at me and they knew that I was intelligent and good looking. So what they did was they wrote an article for the New England Medical Journal. Elaine Schreiber is getting better. Elaine, you know, there are no dummies at the New England Medical Journal. What happened was... Uh, they, they wrote back and say, look at you showed two things, intelligent and good looking, but you really have to show three things in order to show that a person is getting better. Well, a little bit of time went by and by happenstance, it's the same situation. Elaine and I are having lunch at the assisted living memory care uh, here at the Lutheran home. And, and so there happened to be the same doctor and the same nurse right at the adjacent table. Now Elaine gets onto this tangent. How did we meet? How did we meet? Well, I said, Elaine, I said, we met when we were very young, 14 years of age. I fell in love with you right away. As soon as I saw you, I knew you were the woman for me. And not only that, but I felt so strongly about you that if any boy got within 50 feet of you, I popped him on the head. Well, she looked at me. She says, you're a bullshit. Well, now they have the three things. OK, so if you look at the New England Medical Journal going back, for example, probably well, going into July or August, you'll see a big article on how Elaine Schreiber is, uh, is, is getting better. 
I, I want you to know that when I wrote my two Elaine's, what, what happened was uh, I felt I had told my story. And, uh, but what happened was about six weeks prior to going to publication, I find a series of notes and diaries that Elaine had been keeping uh, since her early diagnosis. And so my daughters, Kathy and, and, and Christine and I went through those notes and here is what I had learned. I learned that even though we caregivers can pray together and cry together, sometimes we don't really understand the courage that it takes to be diagnosed with this illness and then go forward. But also what we don't understand, and this becomes so important for caregivers to know about, we also don't understand how important we are to our loved one, that we are in essence a lifeline. Now, we, we know what a lifeline is. If you're in a boat and someone is drowning, you throw them the, 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 the lifeline and we pull them in and we save them. Well, if that lifeline is frayed, if, 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 if it's weak and it can break, we are throwing false hope. And so the lifeline is the caregiver. And a lifeline has to be strong. And so how do we keep a lifeline strong? How do we keep caregivers strong? By taking care of ourselves, by having the courage and the intelligence to ask for help. By understanding, which took me a bit to learn, but to understand that all of the Navy sailing, all of the armies marching, all of the beer that's brewed, all of the Navy sailing, not gonna stop this disease. And so what we need to do then is to better understand this disease, to make sure we join the world of the person who now is, and to also make sure that we take care of ourselves. Being a caregiver, I think people will recognize who are caregivers that it's one of the toughest jobs in the world. And uh, as I said, what makes it so difficult is we see our loved one die a little bit every day and that is so difficult. So then again, we get to the point, what are we going to do about it? Well, to understand that if Alzheimer's is bad, ignorance of the disease is worse. The importance of joining the world of the person who now is, the very uh, great uh, importance of knowing that we must take care of ourselves. I mentioned Elaine's diaries and, and her notes. And so what I did was I, I in, in the beginning of each chapter, I was able to capture and, and set out some of Elaine's notes and, uh, and some of her, uh, her thoughts. And uh, so, well, let me read just a few of them. And, and each, each, as I said, chapter begins with this. And, and very early on, she wrote a letter to what she said to her dear loved ones. This goes back to 2009, but it's still relevant. She writes... It wasn't until a few weeks ago that I really had to say, yes, I do have Alzheimer's. I read of signs that indicate Alzheimer's, like getting overly upset for no reason and having trouble with names and directions. But I still didn't think it was a problem for me. But in hindsight, for too long, I've been getting lost driving, having trouble keeping days straight and difficulties with names and schedules. Still, I still felt I could handle it. It won't get worse. But this morning, I started reading about the mid-stage of Alzheimer's in hopes of preparing myself better. 
and realized I'm not very far away. That is most scary, but I have to accept it. I told you what we are to our loved ones. I said that we had prayed together and cried together. I told you I never really understood, uh, you know, the courage that it takes. But I also, until reading her diaries, never understood how important we caregivers are as lifelines. Here she writes, and this goes back again to this early on. She writes, my Marty, who is and always has been my strength and comfort. I thank every day for his understanding, loving ways, patience, good humor, hard work. She wrote at another period of time, she writes, I'd be so lost without you. So please continue to take good care of yourself for me as well as for you. And so she wrote those really underscoring the importance of, of, of helping me understand how important I was as a lifeline in her life. But also we know that the journey that our loved one is on with, 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 with Alzheimer's, there is moments when our loved one thinks they don't have Alzheimer's, when they sometimes think they do and are worried about it, but then sometimes when they are transitioning into their own, own world. So this will give you an idea of some of the challenges that Elaine was, was up against. I just told you how Elaine uh, wanted me to take care of myself. Well, listen to this. She says, I'm not enjoying my role anymore as Marty's wife because of his having concerns about my Alzheimer's. He doesn't let me be me. He doesn't let me go for a walk if I want to or to the store alone. I used to appreciate him when I thought was concerned, but he holds me captive much too much. I'm going to try to have a second opinion because I really don't think I have any problem. I know how to drive or walk any place I want to enjoy, but he doesn't believe me. And I hate the control he has placed on me. I don't even think I have Alzheimer's per se. And so uh, we traveled that journey and, and, and we're with our loved one and, and we see those experiences. And so what we owe our loved one and what we owe ourselves is to take care of ourselves. What does that mean? Simple as trying to get enough sleep. Simple as trying to have the right diet. Simple as trying to get sufficient exercise. Simple having the courage and the intelligence to, to ask for help. So um, let me read this one here because it again gives us an insight into, into the experiences of person. She writes, I wish my Alzheimer's would dissipate. I'd like to be the smart wife and mother I used to be. Now I have to waste so much time just trying to figure out what I should be doing without seeming as smart as I used to be. I need to rely on my Marty for everything. And I'm very lucky he continues to keep me. Life gets more difficult every day. So now I'm going to read you uh, my very favorite one. And uh, so this is um, from July 3rd of 2012. She writes, life is good. And I plan to have it continue that way until my children tell me it's time for a nursing home or something like that. This is realistic with what my Alzheimer's book says about my future. But till then, I will try my best to be normal, whatever that means, and keep my happy side of life always continuing. 
I'm lucky to have such a good family and many friends to help me get through all this. And so another great day to thank the Lord and smile, smile, smile. So I don't know if I mentioned, but over here, uh, Jeremy, I'm at uh, the assisted living at Elaine's Hope because uh, I try and uh, be with Elaine at uh, lunchtimes as much as possible. But um, I'm in the conference room and over my left shoulder is a, a picture that my son, Marty, painted. And if you look at it, it's entitled Sunrise. And uh, it's hard to depict all of it, except you can see uh, the rising sun. And uh, what, what, what that is, there's a sailboat there. And the point of the picture in reason called Sunrise basically is no matter how foreboding, no matter how dark things may look, the sun will always rise. And that has been so comforting to me in, on many occasions. And uh, also what has been comforting is to have better understood this disease, to make sure that I join Elaine's world uh, so that we can have and enjoy together those moments of joy. And so maybe what we could do is we'll open it up for questions but, and, or comments, but I, I want to just sort of share with everyone about the importance of prayer, patience, and persistence. And, uh, well, there was this, this woman who had this parrot, and all this parrot said all the time, Polly wants a party, Polly wants a party. Well, she graduated from the University of Wisconsin with highest honors. She had a doctorate degree. Well, she was having friends come over to visit for the weekend. And she's beginning to think, what am I going to, how am I going to look to my friends? Because they also have doctorate degrees. I have a doctorate degree, but all I have is this parrot who says, Polly wants a party, Polly wants a party. She doesn't know what to do about that. So she goes to see her minister. Oh, she says, Pastor, she says, you have to help me. I have this parrot. All it says is Polly wants a party. Polly wants a party. My friends are coming to visit. They're going to see all the, well, what should I do? They're going to not think well of me. Well, the pastor said, this is unbelievable. He said, this is a miracle. He said, I myself have two parrots, Peter Parrot and Paul Parrot. He said, I've had Peter Parrot and Paul Parrot for seven years. And he said, all they do is pray. From the moment I got them, for seven years, every minute of every hour, every hour of every day, every day of every week, every week of every month, every month of every year for seven years, they have been praying. And what we should do is get your parrot and put it in with my parrots and my parrots will be a good influence on your parrot. Well, they agreed. So the lady goes home and gets her parrot and brings it over to the pastor's home. They open up. The, the cage for the for, for, for the parrot and it puts the lady. Sure enough, Polly wants a party. Polly wants a party. Well, Peter Parrot looked at Paul Parrot and said, our prayers have finally been answered. So anyway, it's really great to be with you all. And uh, uh, Jeremy, again, uh, my thank you for the opportunity uh, and, and for everything that you and Thrivent does to help make the lives of people better. So uh, just as a side note, I'm here at uh, e, uh, Elaine's Hope uh, Memory Care Assisted Living. And Elaine's Hope, based on all of her diaries and what we had talked about uh, in the progress of this disease, Elaine's Hope is that both the person who is ill 
and the caregiver can live their best life possible. And in living their best life possible to understand that health, enough sleep, exercise, proper diet, all of those weigh so heavily in helping ourselves and our loved one live their best life possible. I can tell you that because there were moments in which I did not get involved in that, I told you we missed out on moments of joy, but also irrational irritability forced me or had me send more flowers and more boxes of candy to more people than I ever thought possible because my fuse was so short, I would see insults and situations which were just unrealistic. And uh, all of that came about because I didn't understand this disease like I should have. And so if there's any uh, message for anyone, it's to understand that if there's one thing worse than Alzheimer's, it's ignorance of the disease. So within that framework, Jeremy, um, I'm open for any thoughts or ideas or questions that uh, uh, you or any of uh, of our viewers might have. Absolutely, Marty. Thanks so much for, for sharing that. And I, this is one of the, uh, a few times now I've been able to see you talk about uh, the situation and a lot of different things related to that. A lot of people have already been writing in just saying, this is a huge comfort uh, that they've gotten connected to you from speeches you've done or different things that they, they've seen. And they're so, um, so happy that they're able to make that connection with you. They've a uh, few people even said that they feel exactly the way that you're describing that they uh, are, are experiencing it themselves. And it's, it's just so helpful to have somebody else kind of validate and, and go through what it was like, like for them. So thank you for that. Wow. What an amazing story that Marty shared with, with us there. What, how are you feeling right now, Eric? I, well, overwhelmed. Uh, I mean, just the, you can just, hear it in his voice right i mean the the what they went through and the decisions he had to make and I, I think that the thing that stuck with me is the main decision he made was to do something for others through this process i mean mm -hmm. he could have chosen to go through this alone i mean just just within family but he's turned this experience into something so much more and i'm i was blessed by it i've, I've had a family member go through this and and it was extremely difficult to see and watch from an outside perspective. I was not a primary caregiver in any way, shape or form, didn't live close, but saw the ripple effect in the family. And it was, it was devastating. And to, to see what he's doing with this, with his story, with her story, it, what a blessing. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely it. I've seen him give his talk uh, live in a room with a hundred people. And it's just amazing to see uh, so many people that are showing up because they're affected by Alzheimer's, affected by uh, dementia and different diseases like that. And they just are, um, th their attitude leaving the room, they mm. just feel like a weight's lifted off their shoulder that here's somebody that's gone through uh, a similar situation that's, that's helping others at the same time. And they just uh, feel so connected when they hear uh, his story. And so it's just amazing that he took the time, wrote the book. He's devoting his life to, uh, number one is, is still his wife, Elaine. She's yeah. still uh, still here with him and she he is spending every day uh, with her, which is amazing. And then he's going out and telling a story uh, to others. And mm -hmm. that's what we wanna do is to uh, make sure that everyone listening has a chance to hear that story. He's got uh, his book, My Two Elaines. Uh, we've got copies here in our office. The first three people 
that send us a message. We want to get that book uh, out to you. So go to our, our website, retirement-revealed.com, and there's a contact us page right there. You can reach out to us or send me an email directly, jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at kylefp, K-E-I-L-F-P.com, and let us know that you'd like a copy of the book, and we'll make sure to get it out to you. Uh, that's that's fantastic. What, what a blessing that is. And audience, Jeremy's pretty humble. I'm just going to say, subscribe to the podcast, because this is why he does this. This content that he's bringing you, subscribe to it. It automatically shows up on your listening device when you do that, and you're not going to want to miss part two. Yeah, part two is going to be great, and uh, love to have you go back and listen to some of the first 49 episodes. So thank you to everyone for showing up here for episode number 50, the 50th episode uh, we're doing here with the Retirement Revealed uh, podcast. And Thanks for listening today, and we believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money, and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.